So you are what you are in this world. That's either one or two things. Either you're somebody, or you're nobody. A lot of this is behind the scenes or under the hood. It's time to just look under the hood. No stone should be unturned. I don't even know what that means. Look under I got an engine underneath my hood. Most important thing in business is honesty. Integrity, hard work. Family. Never forgetting where we came from. Hey, pop the hood. Pop the hood? Pop the hood. Welcome to the Under the Hood podcast with Jonathan Hood. Welcome to the Under the Hood podcast with me, Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for downloading our podcast today. We'll be a wrestling-centric podcast. We have two terrific guests. One of them is Brother Love. I love you. Bruce Pritchard will be with us from the Something to Wrestle With podcast. Does a great job with Conrad Thompson on the podcast. If you haven't listened to it, go to BrucePritchard.com. Download that podcast. It is a terrific look at professional wrestling slash sports entertainment because Bruce Pritchard worked for Vince McMahon in the WWE for a long, long time as a producer and as an on-air talent. He's worked for TNA Wrestling. He's currently working for MLW Wrestling, which is a terrific brand out of Orlando, Florida. That's on the BN Network, B-E-I-N Sports Network. And so he is a producer for that program now currently uh, in 2018. So it's great to hear from Bruce Pritchard. They are going to be at the House of Blues in Chicago, just a few blocks away from ESPN Chicago, as a matter of fact. They're going to be at the House of Blues Saturday, June 16th. It's going to be a fun time to see Bruce and Conrad doing their live show, Something to Wrestle With, from the House of Blues in Chicago. So we'll talk about that uh, with Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson. Also, we have Kenny King. Kenny King, longtime wrestler with ROH Wrestling. ROH is going to be coming to Villa Park, Illinois, in the Chicagoland area, on Sunday, May 13th. Bell time, 7 o'clock. Get your tickets at ROHWrestling.com or at the Odeon box office. It's always good when ROH comes because they always draw a crowd. They do really well here when they come to Chicago. They have their selected spots. ROH knows where the hot crowd is. And usually when they come to Chicago, it's sold out or close to being sold out. So it's going to be good to talk to Kenny King about his career, about what he's gone through, not only in ROH, but also in uh, Total Nonstop Action. He also was in The Bachelorette. Yes. He was in The Bachelorette. He was... Uh, a guy that was featured prominently on that program. So we'll get a chance to talk to Kenny King about that as well. So Bruce Pritchard and Kenny King, all part of the Under the Hood podcast. First, here's Bruce. Bruce is John the Hood. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm absolutely excellent. Don't think I could be any better. How was Baltimore? Baltimore was uh, absolutely wonderful as well. We ate like kings and had a great, great crowd. Um, it was a day off, really and truly, man. It's, it's always nice to go do those where everything goes smoothly. Bruce, I, I know for you, this has got to be a lot of fun to be able to do these podcasts and these live shows going from city to city. Did you have any expectation that people really want to know more and more about you through the podcast and want to reach out and touch you and Conrad? Well, it's it's a little crazy because one of my hesitations about ever even doing the podcast was that nobody cared. And 
who would want to listen to any of my old stories or, you know, just really cared. And it's pretty damn neat when you walk out and you see a a room full of people that are there to listen to your BS. And (laughs) it's, it's a very humbling feeling, but at the same time, it's pretty damn cool. It's really great. It's going to be something to wrestle with. Coming to Chicago again Saturday, June 16th at the House of Blues at 10 p.m. Go to BrucePritchard.com for your tickets and all your merchandise as well with Bruce Pritchard as well. Do you you have any favorite stories of, of Chicago, coming to Chicago, or maybe a card? Oh, my gosh. You know, just going, first of all, to the, to the Allstate Arena. Um, is it still the Allstate Arena? It is. Oh, well, see, there you go. Uh, for me, it was always the Rosemont Horizon. But, uh, you know, they, they, all these buildings, they change names so much. But the the atmosphere there and the audience was always on fire. You had Madison Square Garden, and then you had Chicago. And Chicago was just pure heat where they got into everything that you did, and it was a passionate audience. So – for me, any time going to Chicago was an absolute blast because we usually ate at Morton's out there in, in Rosemont mm-hmm. and or the one downtown, but it was always just a fun crowd, and you knew that if you were going to do something and it was going to get over and they bought it in Chicago, they were going to buy it everywhere. Bruce, um, you know, the podcast business I want to talk to you about just for a moment because even with me working for ESPN Radio, as I have since – uh, August of 2005, you can see a shift in the atmosphere when it comes to radio versus audio. There's, it's actually two different things. When it comes to podcasts, it's not radio. It's just long-form audio stories. And I, I want to know from you, did you have a favorite radio show, something that you listened to? Because clearly millions are listening to you and Conrad, but did you have something that you listened to daily that you really enjoyed on the radio side? I never really did. I, I listened to, you know, radio was a – ends to a means for me from the standpoint of it was something to distract me while I drove. And when I was home, I would always just kind of keep the TV on for white noise. But got to the point where Steve Austin was doing his podcast, and I didn't know what the hell a podcast was. Mm -hmm. And my friend Jerry Briscoe told me, oh, you got to listen to this. And I started listening. Um, and I started listening to, to Steve, and I started listening to Jericho's and stuff, and they are entertaining as hell. So I would just keep that on then for white noise in the background in my office, and that's how I kind of got into it. But Conrad Thompson, my partner, when he pitched me on a podcast, I laughed at him. I told him that would never happen. I had no interest in doing it. And if it wasn't for his persistence and, and him being able to convince me, uh, because I, our format is out of sheer laziness on my part. I didn't want to chase down 52 guests a year. Right. And he was like, no, man, we're going to tell stories. Let's just, just tell your stories. And um, that's how it all started. And, and uh it took off. I don't get it, but I don't think I have to, but I enjoy the hell out of it. <laughs> no, it's, no. It, it's great because I'm a fan of the podcast. I listen to every episode. I'm going to tell you my favorite in a moment. But here's the difference. The difference is, Bruce, the reason why it gets over and the reason why it's fun is because you're telling long-form stories uninterrupted with very few commercials. It's pretty much reads from, uh, from BrucePritchard.com. Imagine you doing that show with 18 commercials an hour. 
like I have to deal with. So I, I think you're doing well in the podcast format. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a lot of fun, and we we get to you know we get to do our own thing, and part of you know part of doing our reads is being able to do them the way that we want to do them. And it's it's funny because one of our sponsors one time called us on a Tuesday and said, wow, we didn't get any kind of response off of uh, the read. I said, do you want to know why? And they, they were like, why? I said, because you guys made us read it verbatim. Right. And we asked you, can we play with this and can we have fun? And you said, no. I said, let me, I said, I'm going to give you a make good. They didn't ask for a make good. I said, I'm going to give you a make good. And we did a, a little test on Facebook and we blew them up, and they called back on Thursday before we even did the make good on Friday and said, what did you do? Because we, we had fun with it on Facebook, and then we had fun with it on the show, and people got into it. They didn't go through it. We, we try to make it fun. We try to make it a part of the show. Yeah, you're one of the best storytellers that I've heard. Is there anyone uh, else around your family or in your business dealings that were, are really great storytellers? You know, I think just growing up in the business, wrestlers, old-time wrestlers are great storytellers by nature. They, you know, we spent so much time in the car, and you're stuck with each other. So you have time to, to reminisce and, and ask questions and tell stories to one another. So I, I, I sat under the learning tree of a lot of great old-timers, and I had the, the fortune of being around people like Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson and being the kid that I, I asked all those questions that I wanted to know the answers to because I, I had them right there. I had them captive. And listening to the history and listening to what really happened from the horse's mouth, not through rumor and innuendo, what people think happened, but getting it directly from them and hearing those stories from them, both great storytellers, uh, through the years, I, I think it just kind of developed. And But I even go back uh, as a kid and going through school, I, I always you know, like to tell stories. I always like to cut promos. And, and I would attribute the majority of that to wrestling and, and people like Dusty Rhodes and Wahoo McDaniel that told great stories and promos. Don't forget to, every Friday at noon, something to wrestle.com. That's where you can hear the podcast. If you've never heard Bruce and Conrad, please do so. Something to wrestle.com. It'll drop right into your device. And don't forget, they're going to be here in Chicago. Something to wrestle with, uh, with Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson. They'll be at the House of Blues, only maybe two blocks away from our station here at ESPN Chicago. It'll take place Saturday, June 16th, House of Blues, 10 p.m. Go to brucepritchard.com for tickets. My favorite episode of your podcast is the Houston episode. When you grew up in the business under Paul Bosch and Houston wrestling. And the reason why is because I kept voting for that, that son of a bitch over and over again on the poll, and it never, worked, it never won, it never won. I kept trying, and finally we got that bonus episode. The reason why I enjoyed it is because it was, it was about you, Bruce. It was about your connection to the business, how you got into it. Um, do you have a favorite out of your podcast? That is my favorite, and and for all the reasons you just said, we kept putting it on the poll. It lost miserably. It got down to the to the bonus poll where Conrad wanted no holds barred, and I was like, nobody nobody cares, and it's not interesting. Nobody cares about Houston wrestling, and no holds barred won fifty one percent to forty nine percent. And then we had asked them to do this 
survey for us, and so many people responded. We said, you know what, we're going to give you both. Houston Wrestling quadrupled what No Holds Bar did as far as downloads, and it's one of our most downloaded episodes ever on the show. And it blew me away because, you know, Conrad likes to prepare, and he likes to go through and have a format and know what the hell he's going to talk about. I'm completely the opposite. It's just hit me with it. If it's a show, I do my research. I go back and I watch the shows, and I do research. I do talk to people and Mm -hmm. get people to jog my memory. But with Houston, it was, man, just, you know, I'll go down a path and and just pretend like we're sitting in the the living room and ask me questions. He hated it because he wasn't prepared. He didn't know enough about it to know what to ask in his initial feeling. Once we got into it, it was we were just talking. That's what it became. We were just sitting there talking on the couch, and the stories flowed. But it was very personal to me, and it was the episode. It's my favorite just because, as you said, i got to tell my story a little bit. And those were the moments in my life that in many ways defined who I am today. And. Yeah got me into the wrestling business. Well, I, I watched um, a lot of those Houston episodes until you told me and told the audience that maybe it wasn't a good idea to to uh, support Bruce Starr, but I did it anyway. <laughs> it, was, it was too late. I was already, already giving him like eight ninety nine to watch those Houston episodes because it was um, a monthly deal because I couldn't find it anywhere else. So I w- had a real great enjoyment of watching you in your early years and watching Bosch and just watching those the um, the stories told in Houston wrestling. Can you give us an, an idea of what that was like on a weekly basis? Because outside of you being a ring announcer and also sometimes a, a bodyguard for Paul, because you're sitting there at, at ringside and they were trying to go up and give him an autograph while he was doing a play-by-play and you were kind of shooing the kids away because that, that crowd was so hyped. What was it like on a weekly basis um, for the town to come in and the stories that were told there? You know, it, it was my life and it was it was – it's funny because I tell my kids now who are 19 and, and they trying to figure out what they wanted to do. I knew what I wanted to do when I was four years old. So it was a lifestyle for me. When I did other jobs, it was to support my wrestling job mm-hmm. and to support my wrestling habit, if you will. So it, I, I did everything. And when I was sitting down next to Paul, that's, I was the assistant director of the television show at the age of 12 years old and learn how to time out a show and give cues every week. And um, it was it was a life lesson. I, I learned more as a kid on Friday nights than I did all week in school because you learned about real life and you learned how to deal with people and, and the ins and outs and nuances of, of personalities and how to get what you want, I guess, and how to be a salesman in a lot of respects. But those were life lessons, everything that that I did in Houston when I started running the office and working with Paul on a daily basis was just how to how to get through life and how to make the most out of it and, and giving back and things like that that you don't think of when you think of going to work and, and it was it was school, it was work, it was life lessons, and it was, it was everything. So uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Bruce, the T-shirt business is working really well for you. I've got four of them. Um, I got a phone call. It wasn't from you. It was from your brother, Tom. 
Wait, you <laughs> didn't get mine yet? No, that's no, okay. It's all right. I talked to Tom, oh, and now I'm interviewing you, so I think I'm good now. Uh, so okay. I talked to Tom. Tom, and uh, I, I think he enjoyed the conversation. I was, I, 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 he thanked me for buying the T-shirts, and then I talked to him about my favorite Dr. Tom match from 88 with uh, Dr. Tom against uh, the Dirty White Boy in Continental. So we had a good conversation about that, so that was fun. Do, do you have a favorite Dr. Tom match? Well, mine's a favorite match for a different reason. My favorite Dr. Tom match was when he came in uh, to Houston. He had been away for a while, and Paul booked him against Les Thornton. Mm-hmm. Tom's working, I think it was the second match of the night. Paul's doing commentary, and they were doing a they had a 15-minute draw. But Les was a wily veteran, a really tough Brit that wasn't too keen on having to wrestle this punk kid for 15 minutes in Houston. And Les beat the crap out of Tom. <laughs> and at one point, Les was beating the crap out of him and dumped Tom out of the ring. And Paul grabs me as I was sitting next to him at ringside and says, go over there and tell him to get off his ass. And I go over and I, you know, go to help Tom up and people knew, you know, we were brothers, a local thing and all this stuff. And he's like, what the hell are you doing here? I said, Paul told me to tell you to get off your ass, and get in there and fight. <laughs> and he was so pissed, but because frankly, there wasn't a whole lot he could do if Les wasn't going to let him. But it was that was my favorite because I remember Tom just getting in there and fighting back and, and fighting for, you know, something. He was the young kid, but he didn't, you know, he, he took it out of respect. But when it was time to go and it was time to fight back and, and he knew Paul wanted to fight back, he fought back. Well, they said so they for would different ne- reasons. That's my favorite time. <laughs> I think that's what I think. That's hilarious. I, I, <laughs> I enjoy that. Um, I um. You're not there on a daily basis as you once were uh, with the WWE, but you are back with the WWE Network, and we want people to know that they can go to something else to wrestle with, which is on the WWE Network, where you can see video uh, and the audio of um, something to wrestle, something else to wrestle with with you and Conrad. You, you're not there on a daily basis, but you do know about the inner workings of, of with what's going on with Vince in 2018. From what you know, is Vince any different than he was when you worked with him on a daily basis? I don't think so. I think, you know, Vince, uh, people always talk about Vince being out of touch. And I remember when I first met Vince in 1987 and some of the guys, the rap then was, oh, my God, the kid's out of touch. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He doesn't he has no clue. He had a couple good years, but he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. So I've been hearing that since 1987. Mm-hmm. And when you're around Vince and you have the opportunity to speak with him and be around him, it's he's so far. I mean, he's probably 15, 20 years down the line in what he's thinking. And, yes, he's dealing in the now. But at the same time, he's dealing in the now as to where the hell he's going to be in 20 years and where the business is going to be and what he's looking for. So that's what people sometimes don't understand. I think that uh, the guy's genius. I loved my time working with him, and he's been really good to me. Fired me twice, but uh, at the same time, you know, I, I can look in the mirror on those and say, yeah, that's my fault. And 
but I, I think that he's still got the genius in him. He's got more drive than anyone I've ever met in my life. Has a work ethic that would be hard to, to match. I'll put him up against anybody in the world. And uh, at 70 whatever years old he is, man, he can still hang with anybody and still go. Bruce, are you going to Orlando to work with Major League Wrestling on BN Sports? I am. I am. I'm having a blast because it's, it's getting to work with a lot of young guys, and it's a it's a group that's you know they've got national television and they're busting their ass and trying to get out there and provide an alternative and be able to have a different product. You may, you know, so many people. It, it's funny when I listen to the audience sometimes, and they the the loudest people that complain are are the ones that are always going to be there. Okay, because they like to complain. They like to hear themselves talk. Um, but you have to cultivate new talent. And, and for those folks, for, the, for everybody that's looking for either more and or an alternative, I think that you know MLW is something that is going to give them an alternative, and they've got a fighting chance to actually give folks something else to watch. And if you're complaining about WWE or Impact or anything like that, then give it a shot and see if this is going to be your cup of tea because it's a lot of young, hungry talent. And we've got a couple of veterans sprinkled in there as well, but it's uh, mainly a lot of really raw young talent. And that's what I love most about the business is being able to groom some of these young, hungry talent that just want to learn and be a part of the business. There's some vignettes that I saw in the last couple of weeks on MLW that I, I don't know for sure, but I can ask you, is there some Pritchard dust on some of those vignettes? Because it, it, just like a Spike Lee or anyone else that has done something for a long period of time, you can kind of tell who's producing it before you see the credits. Have you been working with these kids on vignettes? Because I, I can see, that who's that rich kid on the tennis court? That, it, if that's not a Bruce Pritchard production, I don't know what is. What is it? Okay, guilty. <laughs> um, yeah, and, 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 and I enjoy, you know, it's Maxwell J. Friedman, uh, and yeah. I enjoy working with him because he's, he's young and he's hungry and he's willing to listen and try some different things on. So it's, uh, yeah, getting out there and trying to help him out with some of their production and uh, consult and just grow it, grow it from the ground up. I think it's cool. I kept, my eyes did not deceive me. I said that that looks like a Pritchard vignette. Let me what in the Strickland at the end of that last episode. Hmm, that that might have been a Pritchard. So I think that's you. I, I know that's you. I can I can spot your work a mile away, Bruce Pritchard. I just want you to know. Um, oh so, hell, <laughs> that's you. So what? Uh, here's a question that I can never get answered when uh, you guys do your Q and A. But God bless me, I, I got a chance to ask you right now. I, I'll talk to the man himself. Uh, every time I send this to Conrad, I never get a chance to get an answer. So did you enjoy uh, doing commentary for Houston when uh, the WWF went to Houston, when you worked with Mike McGurk, and did you like it working in global? Did you enjoy uh, your play-by-play or color? Well, when I, when I did it, when I did play-by-play for WWE, I'd never done play-by-play before in my life. And I had done a little bit of color commentary, working with Jim Ross uh, in Mid-South and Power Pro and some of those shows I'd done a little bit of color, but I'd never done play-by-play. And play-by-play is difficult. So when you you listen to your play-by-play guys like Michael Cole and Jim Ross, that's a hard, that's a really, really hard job because you're a traffic cop. 
And if you have to deal with, you've got to deal with your color commentator, and heaven forbid you've got another, you've got a three-person booth. Well, Vince threw me into that ice cold. I had never done play-by-play. Mike McGurk had never done anything before mm-hmm. other than ring announce. And Pete Doherty, who was the third man in the booth, was just an old wrestler that Vince loved his accent. So all of a sudden I go from having never done it to being the guy that is carrying it and trying to work with them and teach them all at the same time. Well, I'm trying to teach myself, and I'm learning everything brand new for myself as well. So I was terrified. It wasn't enjoyable because of that. I was nervous as hell, and and everything on that show kind of fell on my shoulder. So I was producing it. I was writing it, and now I'm doing play-by-play with uh, people that are just as green as I was. So that was frustrating. To do the... Color commentary in Global, I had a blast because I was working with Eddie Gilbert and we were going back and forth creatively on a daily basis. I knew the product and we were having a lot of fun with it at the time. And I always enjoyed working with Eddie and I just gotta I just gotta be me and be a goof and be over the top. And lastly, Bruce, and I appreciate your time as always. What is the, the you think the key is for regional wrestling here and abroad to thrive you're working with mlw right now and for those that haven't watched it on my comcast cable is channel 400 on the bn network every friday night and you could tell week to week you guys are working towards something you know, the company is, is is slowly every hour giving you something different it's giving you something new it's a it's an array of talent on that on that roster so what do you think the key is for companies like mlw to thrive in this environment well, I think you nail it. You hit the nail on the head, and the fact that you even noticed it is says it's working. I remember when I first started with Vince, and he said to me, I don't know, six months in, and we were talking about different vignettes and different things, and he said, you know, the one thing when you meet people and they talk about the show is when they watch, they go, hey, tell me some more about that new guy. If you deliver new, just something, it doesn't have to, obviously you can't all be new every week, but if you can present something new and different every week, it will keep people coming back. And you have to continually reinvent and you have to continually be able to deliver just, just give me a tidbit of new. Just give me something different each week. And in my opinion, I I think that that is something that keeps audiences coming back because while they love their continuing storylines and they have their favorites, you still want something to go, hey, what's this? Maybe I'm going to give this a chance now and try it out. So it's – you just have to continually reinvent yourself and you have to continually create new. It's going to be awesome for uh, Bruce and Conrad to be – uh, in Chicago at the House of Blues again, Saturday, June 16th, something to wrestle with. House of Blues, just a couple of blocks away from ESPN Chicago, as a matter of fact. Uh, again, you can get tickets at BrucePritchard.com, but don't forget the podcast, somethingtowrestle.com. We'll have the link right there in our description of our podcast here today. But, Bruce, I'm so glad I got a chance to talk to you and uh, so happy that you and uh, Conrad are coming to Chicago. 
Well, Matt, I'm looking forward to seeing you there and everybody else. And and I got to tell you, man, there's only there are less than 50 tickets left uh, when I looked at it yesterday. So tickets are going fast. It's a it's a really great venue at the House of Blues there. And um, I just want that same passion. I want the same feeling. I want that audience man, that, that came out to the old Rosemont Horizon All-State Arena. We're looking for because Chicago has some of the best damn in the world. And I'm just psyched to be performing and to be there live. And, and the, the live show is unlike anything you'll ever experience. Bruce, as always, we appreciate your time here in Chicago and look forward to you and Conrad making your way to the House of Blues. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. Ring of Honor War of the Worlds is coming to Chicago, Chicago land area, of course. Villa Park at the Odium. Tickets are available at uh, ROHwrestling.com as well as the Odium box office. Kenny, I mean, talk a little bit about ROH. How much has the company grown since you first started with ROH? Well, my very first match with Ring of Honor was September 2008. Uh, it was at the Michigan County Fairgrounds, I think, in Detroit. Uh, and there was like 350 people there. There was, you know, it was, you know, it was still the, the little company that could. And, you know, you fast forward 10 years, I mean, uh, there's nobody that really considers ROH as a quote-unquote indie uh, anymore. Um, the growth uh, since Sinclair has bought it has just been incredible. Uh, and, and one thing that I always praise Sinclair for is that they have a very slow and steady business model. Uh, you know, they don't jump the gun. They're not throwing all their eggs in one basket, hoping one thing is going to move the needle. Uh, they have a very, we know that if we do this and we do this and we do this, you know, slow and steady wins the race. And, you know, and we are, we are definitely competing in the race. Kenny, when you, uh, when the first time that you faced a wrestler from New Japan, how odd was that for you? Because it's one thing to see um, Japanese wrestlers, you know, as far as watching them on pay per view or watching it, you know, digitally. But when you were actually in the ring with a Japanese wrestler, how different was that for you? Well, I mean, the first time I was actually in the ring with a Japanese wrestler, uh, I was tagging with Red Titus against uh, Michael Elgin and Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, not only is it, you know, obviously there's, there's that little nervousness and there's a language barrier, but it's Tanahashi. Tanahashi is legendary. So, uh, you know, it's, it's wrestling. Uh, I mean, I wrestled in Mexico. I wrestled in Thailand. Uh, you know, wrestling is a universal language. So it's, it's, hard, it's, it's at first possibly a little difficult to kind of get uh, on the same page. But, uh, you know, once at, at this level, uh, all, all the pros are pros, so it, it, it kind of falls in line. Kenny, I really enjoyed your work uh, with TNA when you were there as the exhibition champion because it was just time, at that particular time that you were in the company, it was time for something new, somebody that uh, could talk to me right through the camera and make me believe, right? And so besides your wrestling ability, it's just your promo ability to make me believe, like, this is the guy that you need to follow. What was your experience like uh, at TNA? You know, I had a fantastic experience at TNA. You know, I, I think that a lot of people just always want to focus about the negative rumors and the and the not so positive aspects uh, about TNA. But uh, 
you know, when I look back on my career and I look back at that point in time in my career, I think about uh, a period of time where I got to wrestle on live TV every single Thursday on Spike TV uh, and, and wrestling on live TV as a, as a guy who's, just, who's trying to make his name in the business. Uh, you learn so much, and I learned so much during that era. I got to work with such great uh, and amazing talent. I got, you know, I, uh, I got to work with, you know, side by side, Bobby Lashley and MVP. I got to wrestle the Hardy Boys and, and just, you know, just guys that are just Bobby Roode and, and guys that are just, you know, on that next level. So, you know, obviously there were some, some issues and some, some challenges there, but for the most part, uh, as, as a next level step, that was a next level step. By the time the contract to a major company, you know, it was uh, it was it was a, a great experience. And don't forget again, Sunday, May thirteenth, it'll be Ring of Honor's War of the Worlds tour taking place at the Odium in Villa Park, right outside of Chicago. For tickets, go to rohwrestling.com or go to the Odium box office and walk them and get your tickets there. Anytime the ROH is. Uh, in the place, it's always a, a fun experience for wrestling fans that love the ROH brand. Um, so you were trained. I'm just going to go by your Wikipedia. You tell me if this is right. Were you trained by Al Snow and Nick Bockwinkle both? Well, yeah, but at separate times. So I was on, I'm a Tough Enough kid. Uh, I was on the second season of Tough Enough. I was the finalist. That was the one that was won by Jackie Gata and Linda Miles, too much controversy and groans and <laughs> and whatnot uh so after you know my, that tough enough my tough enough season was the trainer al snow was the head trainer but uh, uh chavo guerrero and bob holly and ivory um were, were also the you know the uh, the co-trainers so after tough enough uh i went to i live in las vegas so there was a school called the Las Vegas Pro Wrestling Academy that, that contacted me and really just wanted me to kind of come in. Uh, they said, hey, listen, well, you can come in and use the ring if we can just use the fact that the guy's tough enough trains here. So I was like, all right, that sounds like a great idea. Uh, and I get there, and Scott Casey, Cowboy Scott Casey, the guy who trained Booker T, runs the majority of the classes, and Nick Bockwinkel runs the Thursday promo and TV class. So it's like, how do I go from tough enough to being trained by now Scott Casey and Hall of Famer Nick Bockwinkel? So, yeah, at different times, I was trained by both Al Snow and Nick Bockwinkel. Come on, Kenny. I mean, Nick Bockwinkel's a goat, man. That's my guy. Because, you know, <laughs> being in Chicago, you know, he always, him was AWA champion, so Vern Gagne's wrestling was always in the Chicagoland area. So that, that guy, from a promo standpoint, from a wrestling standpoint, technically – Makes you want to hate that dude. He was he was my favorite of all time. Well, listen, man, I I really appreciate you complimenting me on uh, you know my promo ability and and my ability to reach uh, through the camera and reach my audience because that was that that's that was all Nick Blackwinkle. Nick was a a taskmaster. He was a a, a brutal uh, instructor because Nick believed that you could make money in the ring, but you didn't become a star. Uh, you weren't a star until you conquered the mic. You weren't a star until you had a character and somebody that, like you said, somebody that the people came to see get beat up or that the people came to see get cheered. Uh, and, and Nick would, you know, if you if 30 seconds into your promo, if you weren't concise and you didn't have a clear, you were doing it over and doing it over and doing it over. So I owe a lot of uh, me being able to get my character over through my promos and just my ability just to cut promos on 
uh, the, the, the strict uh, eye of Nick Bockwinkle. Kenny, the wrestling audience has changed even since you started in the business. It's changed, and it's, it's not changed for the better. Like, obviously, if you have a ticket, you can cheer and boo whoever you want to. But um, I'll, I'll, I'll take an example. I'll use you for an example. In 2018, I really enjoy watching you perform, right? So as someone that is a Kenny King fan, if you're trying to be a heel and I'm still cheering you, is that not a counterbalance? That's not what you're trying to achieve, right? I mean, is it hard for you to be a heel in today's wrestling society? Well, uh, I mean, it's like this. It's everything today uh, is shades of gray. Right. So uh, it's it's segmented. Like okay, before when we were coming up, it's good and bad, good and evil. Like there's no, you know, there's a, there's a clear line between good and evil. But I think, you know, with the with the advent of like guys like Stone Cold and uh, you know really anti-authority types who are kind of anti-hero types, then then you allow people to should be, be, be uh, you know, cheer and boo or, or get behind guys uh, because they get behind parts of their story, not necessarily who they are. So, you know, that's why you have all these people that are technically a good guy or, you know, or a bad guy to, to these four people, but a couple people feel that because, you know, he may have gotten his favorite pair of sneakers stolen when he was a kid, and that's why what makes him hit people with chairs and those other people say, oh, well, damn, I got my sneakers stolen, too. I like this guy. So it's, you know, that's kind of what it is. It's a fragmented and segmented market where people are now cheering for the people that make them. I mean, and, that, and that's, again, when you buy a ticket, you can cheer and boo for whoever you like. So, you know, I think that's kind of just what new age wrestling is about, finding something about a guy, whether that's counterculture or whether that's, you know, right in line with everybody else. Uh, and, and sometimes going counterculture is what's more popular. All right, so so in, in this case, for your career at this point in time, good-looking dude, uh, one of the most eligible bachelors in America, or is on The Bachelor, been wrestling for a long time, you tell people how it is, and you write in people's face, are, are you not a heel? I think that you are. Uh, well, I think that my character, you know, my character has changed a little bit, yeah. uh, or a lot probably in the last six, eight months, uh, since I've come back, you know, after the rebellion, it's more, you know, I just feel like at this stage, uh, that I, you know, I still, I feel like I still got something to prove, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like at this stage of the game, after everything I've accomplished, people are still kind of, you know, you know, discounting me saying that I can't hang with the new guard. And I feel like that has been more, my motivation more so than, you know, uh, telling people and, 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 and doing some of the other stuff. My, my motivation is really just getting it done and out wrestling people, not performing people. And I kind of think that's what uh, you've been seeing me doing. I had the most memorable moment uh, in all of WrestleMania weekend. You're not going to, you can run every show on every tape. You're not going to find a more spectacular moment than me hitting a shooting star press to the outside through a table. So that is me leaving my stamp and my mark on 2018. Like Kenny King is not somebody who you're just going to overlook because you, oh, I've seen him before. I know what he can do. You have no idea what I can do. Um, what do you think of Dalton Castle as ROH champion? I, I love um, his character uh, coming up in the company all the way to now the ROH heavyweight champion. What do you think of him as, uh, as a wrestler? Man, I think that Dalton Castle is, uh, is, is that perfect mix 
of what it is kind of between old school wrestling and new school wrestling. Dalton Castle is every bit of character. He is out you out completely like outlandish and he's 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 wild, he's Siegfried and Roy, and he's got his two manservants, and 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 he's you know from the minute he hits the, the breaks the curtain, and he's got the peacock and all this stuff. But when you when that bell rings and Dolan Castle is is focused on you, is he is strong as hell, and he's one hell of a wrestler, and that is something that uh, you know it's it's hard to find someone who can check both of those boxes, someone who's an amazing character, something who everybody wants to watch, but can also get it done. Uh, in, in between the ropes, and that, and that's why he's earned the right to be ROH World Champion. How much did you enjoy your experience on The Bachelorette? You know, I I, I completely enjoyed it. It was a it was a one in a lifetime opportunity, and not something that I I don't know if I'll ever uh, enjoy some or endure something like that again. Uh, I, I got to meet some fantastic people who I'm still cool with, and uh, you know, and it and it didn't help the old career to uh, to be in front of you know six seven million people every every Tuesday night. It was awesome, then. So I mean, why some of those ladies though? Are you still connected with some of those ladies? Uh, you know, I'm doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing all right. All right, Kenny, you need to to give. Um, this audience some advice, man, because there's a lot of dudes that go up to women, try to talk to them, but they just don't have any game. You know, it doesn't, to me, I don't think it matters what you look like, but if you have a good game, if you can be able to, to spit game, then I think that you can really do well, you know, as far as you hooking up with somebody. What's your advice for guys that are single, especially during this time, spring and summer, you got to get it locked in for the fall, do you not? Well, look, summertime is when, you know, it's hotter and women are uh, a little more liberal with how, <laughs> you know, the amount of clothes that they wear. Yes. So now is a perfect time to, uh, you know, to, like, like you said, get it locked. It's cuffing season, right. as they say. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I would just say this, man. You know, uh, in my experience, uh, women don't want to be spit game to. Uh, so... Uh, you when it comes to women, you just have to actually like instead of just kind of like talking at them, just talk to them, listen to them, ask questions. You know, uh, it's it's almost like being in sales. If you ask enough questions and you talk to somebody, people will tell you how to sell them. So if you listen to a woman and you talk to her and you and you find out what she likes and and you try and you don't try to be something with somebody that you're not, then you know, smile at her, make her laugh, don't be cheap, smell good. You know, those are all those are all boxes you should check. You, should, you guys should be all right for the summer. If not, hit me up on uh, online and I'll give you some more tips. So hold on, man. So you, so you, so the one of the things that you checked off there is soap. Is that what you just told me there? Like just to smell good? Did you say soap? Pretty much. I said no. I said smell good. I understand, I, I, but I soap, soap's part of that. <laughs> you got to wash up, right? No, I don't think I said soap. I, I smell good. Something sort of. I mean, I don't. I don't think I said specifically soap, but yeah, cologne actually would be the second part of that. You know, soap is is, is the basic fundamental part of washing your butt. Yes. Do, do you have a Do you have a cologne in mind? Do you have? Can you make a suggestion for the for the guys? Oh man, I got different colognes for different uh, for different moods. Uh, when I'm going out to try to slay everybody in the area, uh, I got Blue Day Chanel. Uh, I've got my uh, my power cologne, which is Gucci Guilty. Oh. And if I'm in the in the mood to go out and snatch me a couple of Milson Cougars, then Jupe is the, is the fragrance uh, of choice. <laughs> See, I'm sorry. So we, have to, my words. we have to give the advice, Kenny, because that's the thing. Guys need to find out how to, you know, how to be able to talk to women. I I think that the one of the keys that you mentioned is to be able to listen. 
women want to be they want to be heard, right? So probably more right. less talk and more listening, and I think they'd be like, "Ooh, you're so different because you listening to me now." They, well, they, they I think, enjoy I think the problem the guys have is they trying to they try to tell everything they got and tell her, I'm gonna tell her, and if I tell her all this stuff about me, then then she'll like it. You know, just hey man, just listen. <laughs> let her tell her. Let her tell you the stuff about you that uh, that she, that that she's gonna like. She'll tell you. Just listen. That's good, man. That's good stuff right there. That's good. Listen more than talk. And don't do a wrestling promo to a woman, right? Pretty much. Do not. Unless she's a wrestling fan, then, then you're going to win. <laughs> Here's the thing that I'm confused about, man. Here's the thing I'm confused about. ROH says you can talk to Kenny King about the show that's happening at the right outside of Chicago, the Odium Expo Center. Uh, it'll take place at uh, May 13th on Sunday. Bell time is 7 o'clock. And you can get your tickets at ROHwrestling.com or go to the Odium box office. I'm looking at this card. Man, you, they can't get the pit bull on. Uh, uh, come to Chicago. Where's the pit bull? I don't see. I don't see your name on this card. Apparently, my match is a secret. <laughs> ah. That's what I. Uh, that's what I heard. So <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> but it's going to be dope as hell because I'm going to be there. That's the Odeon. We had it. We rocked that place last time. Uh, so that you know the uh, the not the people that showed up the the, the rabid Chicago fans. Um, you know that that's none of that's going to change. Anytime I'm in Chicago, I'm gonna give everybody what they uh, what they want to see. Well, that's gonna be off the chain. It's been good. I know it's a secret. I don't know what it is, but I guess you got to get there to find out. May thirteenth, seven o'clock, War of the Worlds. And again, you get your tickets at the box office. So go to ROHwrestling.com. It's part of this War of the Worlds tour that ROH is doing. Uh, last question regarding the company. Where does how do you see the company uh, currently? Because Involving what's been involved with Sinclair for a little bit now, it seems like the company is trying to expand even more. So, how do you see the direction of the company right now? Well, it's it's complete it's a complete expansion in 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 all areas. I mean, the TV show continues to do good numbers all over the uh, all over the country. Uh, we continue to do international tours. We did one. I mean, it just hasn't even been a year. We, it was in August that we did our last. Uh, Global Wars tour in the UK. Now we're going back to another. Uh, I don't know if it's Reach for the Sky, but another UK tour at the end of this month. So two UK tours in a span of a year. That's complete. That's 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 twice as many <laughs> as none. So uh, you know, if you look at the venues, if you look at the just the the exponentially, it just continues to grow exponentially. So next year, the year after that, you know, the, last year we set the. Uh, the attendance record for Ring of Honor with for uh, SuperCard last year was like 35, 3,600 people. This year we almost doubled that. I think if we not if we didn't double that, so it's it's the amount of growth uh, is is almost staggering if you look at it from year to year. And I don't see any reason why that would slow down. The talent continues to get better. Uh, Sinclair is vested financially and just creatively and what we got going on here and uh and people continue to flock to roh because of what we're doing kenny as always i appreciate your time i just want people to be aware of the big show taking place in chicagoland coming up on sunday at seven o'clock and i hope they get a chance to talk to you again thank you so much for joining us here in chicago thanks for having me bro see you there all right it's kenny king with us here on the Jonathan hood under the hood podcast great conversations with kenny king as well as bruce pritchard right here on another hood podcast thank you so much for listening to this podcast we've had so much support i'm overwhelmed by it as a matter of fact cities like chicago tampa florida 
listen to this. A bunch in California. I see you in Montclair and San Jose, California, Bell Gardens, California, Austin, Texas, Ellensburg, Washington, Watts. I don't know who is, is in Waxahachie, Texas, but I appreciate you listening. Like every podcast, the home of T- Killer Tim Brooks, the old wrestler, Waxahachie, Texas. Thanks so much for listening wherever you are, um, as well as San Francisco, California, Ashburn, Virginia, Las Vegas, Nevada, that's where Kenny King is, that's where he lives, Glendale, Arizona, Savannah, Georgia. Just shouting out all these cities that we found that you guys listen to the podcast. Of course, the Chicagoland area, uh, Denver, Colorado, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Thanks so much for checking out the Under the Hood podcast. And don't forget, you can find my social media. It's right here in the description. Hit me up on Twitter, twitter.com, tweet jhood. I want your feedback on the show. Anything that we need to do better, things that you want to hear on this podcast, please check in. Twitter.com, tweet jhood. Also on my Snapchat, snap jhood. Just love to get your feedback on what we're doing uh, with our podcast. All right, the executive producer of the Under the Hood podcast is Felix Reyes. And we're going to have fun next time. We'll do another great conversation on the Under the Hood podcast. Yeah.